Welcome to ADHD is over, a new podcast on a seemingly old label that we're going to be peeling off. Join my wife, Tatiana, and I as we journey with our family, the Wyden family, through the land of confusing information. We're going to visit both sides and let you decide because the power is with you. Welcome to ADHD is over. Welcome back. Welcome back to our podcast. Today's episode is exciting to me. Dr. Spirituality on ADHD. I hope you'll be excited after listening to this episode. I hope you take away some nuggets, some insights, what I'd like to call some perspective shifters. That's what it's all about, right? As we're learning new things, as we're exploring other sides, other than our mainstream uh, perspectives that we've become perhaps accustomed to, other than our cultural, religious beliefs that shaped us as children and so forth. So today I am essentially, if you will, channeling what doctor spirituality, if there was such a doctor, might say on ADHD. Now that's a funny concept. If you are here because a relative or a friend told you that you should check out this podcast, then I'm assuming that your friend and relative, uh, you know, is a very open person. Somebody who likes to explore, who likes to go into all the corners of their mind and soul and spirit and, and really just entertain new concepts, right? Because we, we, we've become so accustomed to what we hear growing up as children from our parents, from our teachers, from our religious leaders, from television, culture, right? You should do this. You should say this. This is right. This is wrong. This is normal. This is abnormal, right? That I think the, the curious mind... And that's really what this podcast, who this podcast is for. Mainly parents that have children that were diagnosed with the so-called disorder, ADHD, or individuals who are just curious to learn more about it, or adults who've been diagnosed with this so-called disorder called ADHD. That's who it's for. But one must have a curious mind, an open mind. And if you were more accustomed to the sort of uh, what I call the mainstream take on ADHD, you may not like what we have to say. You may not like what our experts have to say. This may not be your podcast. And that's okay. There's no judgment. There are certain podcasts I don't listen to because it doesn't resonate with me. So that's the second point, right? If you're curious and open, you're in the right place. If things resonate with you, allow them to resonate. Take them away. Go back into your lives, see when they show up again. Sometimes things show up for me two or three times and I go, okay, now it's time to take an action. Something has shown up. I've heard some about something three times, right? You may have heard about this podcast from three different people and you're like, okay, fine, I'll listen to it. So trust that intuitive guidance that says, well, maybe there's some truth to it, right? And then follow it. See what happens. One of my favorite mottos, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. You know, a lot of it until you get to triumph. So let's get going with Dr. Spirituality. Welcome, Dr. Spirituality. I'm putting it out there to the universe right now that what I'm about to say, the journey that I'm going on, these are never scripted, that I'm grateful upfront for the insights I will have during this podcast that are essentially downloaded by me, through me, so that I can share them with people. And a lot of it is 
not just airy-fairy downloaded, it's information that I've collected over the last seven years, references from experts, consultants, and so forth, mixed in with, um, I would call it common sense. So here we go. First of all, welcome back if you've been listening to our podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Every time you click on an episode and you listen, it warms my heart and I can see those of you tuning in from different cities and countries around the world, we're now close to uh, uh, 2,000 as our average record of the week. Uh, people listening from all corners of the world. I just thank you so much. I appreciate you so much for the support. Also, those of you who say, oh, my friend told me about it. Thank your friend. If you're that friend, I thank you. I uh, just wanted to share my gratitude. So welcome back. If you're new, hey, welcome to ADHD's Over. We are here for you to get curious about, to, to keep an open mind, like I said, and to come along for the ride. And if something sticks, great. If it doesn't, no hard feelings. You will find the right information for you if you trust your intuition. All right, off we go. First of all, let's start with what is spirituality? Now, I'm no expert in defining or describing what spirituality is, but having studied spiritual texts and, and read spiritual books for yeah probably now close to 28 years, I will say here's what I've come to found, you know, uh, as the most simplistic answer to when somebody says, what is spirituality? To me, it's just simply the belief that we are more than just these bodies and these brains and these identities. We are indeed spirits souls, right? So the belief in that concept and also uh, perhaps the study of such, to me, is what spirituality is about. Now you can insert religion into it, you can insert um, abstinence, sitting on the top of a mountain, uh, doing it a certain way based on a certain teacher. Sure, all of that is part of it. But I think at the at the core, its essence of spirituality, I think, is, again, for me, this idea that we are spiritual beings having an earthly physical experience. So hang with that for a while. So Dr. Spirituality is someone who's going to look at this concept of ADHD in our current world, on this earthly plane, in our three dimensions, if we're going to limit it to this for now, is going to look at it from the outside, from a sort of a bird's eye view, top level, looking down and suggesting certain things, certain bigger picture views for us to consider, certain perspectives that are from higher up, right? To again, for a curious mind to go, huh, that's interesting. Let's think about that, right? That's what we're doing today. So let's get started. Um, so let's look at this... Uh, it's a metaphor, obviously, right? Dr. Spirituality on ADHD isn't somebody here that's a spiritual leader like a Joe Dispenza, although I create that Joe Dispenza will be in our podcast soon. We're still working on that. Um, if you personally have any connections, hit us up. It's all about connections. It's about people connecting each other for the highest good. We're always open to that. But it's a metaphor. So it's just me talking. And I want to start off with an example that I read in one of Tom Hartman's books, Tom Hartman has become a dear friend, and he has also been on the podcast. He's part of our documentary that's still in progress. And he had written in one of his books about a journey that he, uh, a trip he made to India. And 
he was sitting on a train and I believe was across from several sort of Indian elders who were having conversations. And as he was doing research on ADHD, also related to one of his sons, um, he decided to ask these men uh, a question on ADHD. And he just simply said, you know, I'm from the United States and I'm in India and I'm just curious, like, what is your take on ADHD? And first they were like, uh, what? And as Tom um, proceeded to explain what ADHD is in a Western sense of the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, they sort of just kind of looked at him perplexed. And, and uh, I think a couple of them shook their heads and they were kind of speaking Indian amongst each other. And Tom was like, so what, 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 do you, what is it? What do you know of it? How is it perceived? And, you know, paraphrasing, but ultimately the men said, oh, oh, those kind of people are actually the wise ones, the spiritual elders, the older souls. That's what it came down to. They're actually the ones really aware energetically and, and uh, you know, sensitively to the world, not just to the world that we see and perceive and can touch, but they're super hyper aware of everything. And I just thought that that was a really great example or call it a metaphor of shifting one's perspective because we can easily call these human beings that we've now, uh, you know, diagnosed, labeled with a disorder, which is, by the way, not a positive term. Often people will fight me on it or argue with me that, oh, you're just anti-label and you're just, you know, it's not a positive, it's not a negative term. It depends how you look at it. No, it is. A disorder is a negative vibration kind of term. Split it how you want to split it, but that's what it comes down to. And so we've diagnosed these human beings with a negative frequency term called disorder. And that is one way to look at it. And that is how most of our Western society, that's what we do, right? We've pathologized this thing. We even call it a thing when people say, I have it, even though if you've listened to some of my past podcasts, you cannot have ADHD. If we really look at the, 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 the wording, right? If we really look at, like, you know, break it down. One cannot have it. One can behave with, you know, have behaviors that we can then classify as symptoms, label them as such, and then we can assign a made-up disorder. And when I say made-up, it was made up by people, doctors, experts sitting in a room calling it that. So it is made up. And I'm not saying made up like it doesn't, the behavior doesn't exist, right? I get this a lot from listeners or people that I talk with or have conversations with around ADHD and that end up arguing that's like, what are you saying? It's made up. It's not made up. It's real. Well, the behaviors are real and the struggles that people experience having a child with the behaviors or being an adult with those behaviors. Yes, that's real. We never argue that. I never argue that. That would be being ignorant. But I often get called ignorant when I say it was made up and it's not an actual disorder and you cannot have it, right? But once people let me speak and come with me with an open mind and curiosity, they get what we're saying. And it has to be explained that way. So let's go back. So we can look at it as such, as a disorder, right? And so now Dr. Spirituality just said, hold on. 
He said, so that would mean that we are ultimately saying, and you've heard me say this before, that God or the power that we believe in, the higher power that you and I believe in, call it God, Buddha, Allah, whatever you want to call it, right? Or, or, or even just universal intelligence, or maybe you don't believe in God, right? If you don't, this is going to be a tough one for you, but hang in there. I think you'll still get the nugget. So that's what Dr. Spiritualities tell me. So if you believe in a God, right, then by us labeling children in this case, I'm just going to go with children, as disordered, right, as the sort of Western uh, pro-medication, pro-disorder side would call them, is that they have a brain disorder, that there's a dysfunction in the brain, then we are basically saying that the God we believe in made mistakes because he took millions of children as he was getting them ready to send them to earth. And I'm just using this as a visual metaphor. I'm a visual thinker. Um, he screwed up. These brains were defect. Unfortunately, sorry, you got a child with a brain disorder, brain dysfunction. You're unlucky. God, you know, made a mistake. Now, if you believe in karma, for example, Dr. Spirituality just wanted to throw that in there. If you believed in karma, you may even say, well, I guess I deserve a, a, a child that's a little difficult because maybe I was difficult as a kid or in a past life. And so therefore, okay. Okay, but still, right? We would still have to say something or, or somehow these children's brains ended up being not as functional. We would call it not normal or abnormal compared to the normal children, the ones that sit still and listen, do the homework, get good grades, don't cause any trouble, right? But now if we shift our perspective and we don't look at these, these children as disordered, we don't put a label on them like ADHD and all the baggage that comes with it, and trust me, there's a lot of baggage that comes with it. And it's just not baggage we can shake off by saying, well, let's call them neurodiverse or let's call them that they have superpowers. That Those are nice thoughts and nice attempts. And I think we should move in those directions, right? But we can't shake off all the heavy agreement, all the baggage that comes with it that we've already allowed to be created in this world around the words disorder and attention deficit right? All these heavy words that, that make a young human being question their own power, question their confidence, question their wholeness, right? We can't shake that off with these fancy new, I think a lot of them are even kind of wokeish terms, right? Sort of an all-inclusive, well, they're just neurodiverse and we're all neurodiverse. That's not even a term we should be using. All our brains are different, there's different types of brains and every single brain. So neurodiversity is like saying uniqueness. Okay. And then when we go to something like um, superpowers, right? Well, ask any of the parents that are really struggling with a child that has these behaviors that we label as ADHD and tell them about superpowers. And some of them might be like, well, fuck you. Yeah, it's a superpower, but I don't, well, sure, maybe, okay, that's positive, but I'm dealing with all this shit, right? So again, yes, it can be a superpower if it's channeled right, if the parents are guides that are conscious, if the whole family is working on it together, right? Yes, it can be a superpower. So just a side note, 
So let's go back to, uh, we can either look at the children as disordered, or what if we looked at them, such as these Indian men on a train when they were talking to Tom Hartman, and they look at it as in like, these are advanced human beings. These are wise, reincarnated, I don't know, ascended masters, you know, spiritual leaders and so forth. Why would they say that? Well, there's several reasons. One could be just a cultural belief, maybe where they grew up, that was the notion, that's what they were told, or religion says it and so forth. But Dr. Spirituality is going to go a step further. Because whenever we look at something on the flip side, so if we look at something as a disorder and bad, but then on the other side, if we look at it as an advantage and good, then we could go, well, what are the advantages of someone with ADHD, right? So this is kind of borderline superpower. I just don't like to use that word because it's such a, it's just, people can hide behind that term and just say, well, it's just, it's a superpower. So it's, it's still ADHD, but it's a superpower. And whereas our movement is more about dissecting it even further. So that's why the term to me is a bit um, limiting, but I'm okay with it. So let's just use it for now. So let's say you look at this spiritual view of like someone with ADHD or the behaviors of ADHD. They take in more information. They can hyper-focus. Let's call it superpowers. They pay more attention. They're more sensitive. So they can take in more information through their senses, which is what sensitive is. Sensitive often is looked at as a negative word. Oh, he's so sensitive. Well, it's because... His or her senses are so freaking alert and there's so much information coming at us, especially in our world and our society that's evolving with even more noises and more media and louder and faster and brighter and everything is just like attack on our senses, right? So our system often can't keep up, taking all this information in, making sense of all this information and then categorizing it and filing it away and all this while, meanwhile, new information's coming in, right? It's exhausting. That's why often highly sensitive people withdraw from noisy places and from places where there's too much information. I can relate to it now. I think I'm getting a bit more sensitive as I'm growing older because I like my peace now. I like quiet. Um, so when I'm out and there's just too much noise and trucks driving by and, and, and you know, jingles in the background and kids screaming and it's just too much stuff to take in, I need to take myself out of that. And that's a valid uh, 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 reaction for someone who's highly sensitive, right? And highly sensitive people are often the ones that uh, I believe get misdiagnosed with ADHD or autism and so forth. And there's lots of overlaps. But if you've listened to our podcast for a while, you know that what we would say is that it is a function of a dysregulated nervous system. It is not a function of a, of a damage in the brain. It is not a function of a a chemical imbalance. It is not a function of a genetically handed down thing that you suddenly have. Like I have ADHD because my dad had ADHD, right? Those, those myths, they've all been dis dispelled. You can look this up and, you know, if you go to the mainstream, of course, those are the main myths that are hailed as the truth. They can all be dispelled by studies that were much more, first of all, uh, sobering. They were not cherry-picked and mostly they were not funded by big pharma or experts that get paid uh, by big pharma or uh, big pharma programs, right? Like grants and stuff. So if you dig around for a little bit, you will understand that uh, you've been told a lie, we've been told a lie, an incomplete truth, if, if you want to lie is a little strong, but an incomplete truth. And we are here to just to 
fill in the blanks on the other side so you can complete the truth for yourself. And then you can choose where you stand and you can choose how you treat your child or yourself, right? For this diagnosis, if you've gotten one. So back to Dr. Spirituality. So if we can look at a child, in this case, I'm using a child, like I said before, through two different lenses, perspectives. One is there's something wrong with them. They have a disorder. It's a deficit. And we need an external source such as medication or, or th- therapists to help them function, right? Not even, there's never a talk about healing. It's always to help them function with it, right? For the rest of their lives. It's usually what we're told. So there's that to look at. And then we have the other perspective of like, maybe these human beings just need to find their way and their place on earth and need to be guided with as much peace and love so their nervous system can regulate, you know, again, while it's been in survival mode, it can calm down and it can be a regulated nervous system so the behavior starts to dissolve, right? If we look at those two perspectives, and I said to you, you have a child in front of you, your child, your precious child that you love, that's part of your family, And I said, you have those two points of views, those through lenses to look through when you're looking at your child. Which one would you choose? Seriously. Dr. Spirituality just got very quiet because I was thinking, aren't there more choices? And he said, nope. And I was like, but then isn't that common sense that anyone would choose to look at the empowering context? He said, nope. So I'm left with like, hmm, why do so many parents allow themselves to be pulled into or sold this narrative that, no, there's something wrong with your child's brain. That's what it is. And the only thing we can do is to balance the, you know, chemical imbalance with chemicals, meaning with pharmaceuticals, right? That narrative is so strong and has gotten so much buy-in you know, the media and and movies and books and even people with ADHD who are struggling in life, who've been in this narrative, in the disempowering narrative for years, are actually still themselves selling the same narrative to other people. That's mind-boggling to me. Dr. Spirituality says, yeah, that's called victimhood, right? When you're stuck in being a victim, And you have pity parties in your victimhood and you want other people to know how miserable it is and that they have no other choice either that if they have ADHD, that this is the truth. This is the narrative. This is how it is. And I say, hmm, interesting, because what if when we say ADHD is over, what if those people just said, like, I'm actually done with the disempowering narrative, so therefore it's over and I'm going to jump over to the empowering narrative. But why don't we do that? Well, the answer, obviously, Dr. Spirituality says fear. And I say fear of what? Fear of failure. What do you mean? Well, fear that we're going to fail our children, that they're going to grow up and be these. And I'm going to use this term lightly and in a what I think politically correct way. But I've heard it out there before and I'm repeating it. I'm not phrasing it that way myself. But there's this fear that some parents have that their child is going to grow up 
handicapped, even retarded. I've heard that before. That one parent said, like, if we don't medicate him now and he doesn't get good grades and he doesn't, you know, get a good education and, and a job, then he's going to not be able to live on his own. And, and people are going to think he's retarded and he can't keep a job. I've heard it all. You know, there's that fear of failing our children. Look, that is a justified fear. I am not here to say that fear should not exist. Fears come in all forms. You have yours. I have mine. Fears, you know, they come through our mind daily. They just go up and down, in and out. Just a reminder, we are not our thoughts. Our thoughts can be entertained by us. And also we can make them into reality, meaning manifest them. If we choose to, hopefully we don't choose very disempowering and fearful thoughts to make real, but some of us do, right? I've done it. So just a side note, you're not your thoughts. Thoughts come in and out. They go up and down. Back to spirituality. We are spirits having an earthly experience right now. Part of having an earthly experience is having a physical body, is having a brain, having thoughts, the mind churns out thoughts that usually are, here we go, influenced by, given to us by, through our environment. And by the way, if you're curious, you've heard me say this before, and it is also part of our ADHD diagnosis survival guide that you can download for free on our website, ADHDsover.com. It's part of that, is that, you know, we or I should say, the people that have been diagnosed with ADHD, the behavior that is considered ADHD behavior, the symptoms as we call them, are due to a nervous system being stuck in defensive mode. Something happened in a child's life, or something happened several times. For one child, it's enough to have one event, almost like a PTSD kind of event, Or for other children, it could be a continuous daily, weekly things that make them feel unsafe. The key word is unsafe. And look, we're not saying that's the only thing that causes ADHD type of behavior. But after having talked to some of the world's top experts on nervous system trauma and so forth, it's definitely pointing to that. And so is the um, ACE study that was done in the 80s by Kaiser Permanente and... uh, and the uh, CDC uh, pointed in the same direction of, of traumatic events in children's lives. Um, children with multiple uh, traumatic events uh, being more likely to, to be diagnosed with ADHD, right? So a lot of it, and that's in our survival guide, is pointing towards that. And if we look at like us being sold a narrative that's fear-based, right, as parents. And we, we, we don't want to fail our children. And we, we, we of course, we're, we want to be good parents. We want them to turn out and have a great life. And that is, again, the fear-mongering that was exploited by pharmaceutical companies because at the beginning it was all geared towards like, hey, your kid's not doing well in school. He's not behaving at home. There were ads about kids not paying attention in school. Kids suddenly paying attention and taking out the trash at home and parents being happy. And it's like, oh my God, my child is a functioning member of society. And that's exactly what I want because that's how they're going to find a job. Anyway, all goes back to fear. And unfortunately, that fear never allows us to really see our child, 
to really see them for who they are, to really allow them to unfold as the unique human being that he or she is. And to be there when they're struggling and there's going to be struggle. I feel like we, we live in this world. We're trying to trauma or struggle, fear proof our children or ourselves, even our society. I mean, look around during this COVID um, mania that, that, that happened where, where we were like, people are now literally still wearing gloves and masks and are barely touching certain things and things are touchless. And like, there's this, this paranoia that if we simply come in touch with something vicious in nature that will die again, fear of death, right? So we've become accustomed to just sort of try to bubble wrap things. And unfortunately, that's the same with children with ADHD, where we go, if you just give them medications, you know, and, and therefore fix the chemical imbalance and therefore they pay attention at school and therefore they will never have to deal with any of the real emotions. Uh, a lot of the kids on um, ADHD medication end up not really expressing, processing, feeling emotions or they're expressing extreme emotions, right? So it's like the, the, the both sides of the spectrum, but the, the healthy expression of emotion that's, that's natural uh, cannot exist when these suppressants or stimulants uh, get a hold of their the chemicals in their brain, right? So again, I know, I'm not saying all doctors in all of history were evil. There's many doctors out there who really wanna help parents, who really wanna help children, who don't like seeing children struggle uh, at school or in their house, or the, you know, if there's a divorce, it gets blamed on the ADHD child, when in fact it goes much deeper than that. But there's just a lot of, uh, uh, upheaval and trauma and like events in life that we're trying to prevent. We're trying to bubble wrap. And to me, that's a big issue. And that is a 3D of this world kind of issue. Because if we looked at it, and again, Dr. Spirituality is telling me, hey, it's been a while since he, she talked. So let's go back there. If we look at the world through this 3D lens of reality of what we see, you know, people always say like, I'll believe it when I see it, right? And we look at this whole issue uh, down here in being in the world, it is easy to get wrapped up in this fearful narrative and say, yeah, you know what? They're probably right. I need to medicate my child. I need to stop it now. We need to, let's do it. That'll be the solution, right? That's easy. But if we pull out into a bird's eye view, really high up, and we look at things like um, karma or uh, past lives, reincarnation, um, you know, the concepts of the other dimensions. And when we stay there for a while, we really have to be up there for a while. What I mean is like, we have to like close our eyes. If you want to do this with me, close your eyes right now. And let's just take 10 seconds. Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> Keep your eyes closed. And picture yourself hovering above the earth. You know, we've all seen the images in the video. Look down at earth, right? The beautiful blue planet surrounded by the darkness of space. And we're looking down there. And we suddenly have a feeling that, well, we, we're probably not alone in the universe. But even if we were, there's other planets, other balls floating around like this in dark space. And we don't know how big space is. The universe, it's massive. It's huge. And so 
pretty magical that we're actually floating on this ball through space. And because of gravity, we're still here on it. And now you can open your eyes and look around and you look at the, if you have trees in front of your window or you look at your apartment, you look at your car that you see outside, your children, whatever is in your surroundings, right? And we're here enjoying this life and we have all this stuff and we're doing things and we're going to work and pretty, pretty surreal, yet magical. So close your eyes again and let's go back up to look down at Earth. And let's go zoom out further, look at other planets, just kind of see the universe. See the universe and realize you're in it. I'm in it, you're in it. And at the same time, we can look at it from up there, right? And now zoom out even more, like go, let's, let's just assume we could go outside of the universe. Go outside of the universe and go, look at the universe and go, hey, there's this thing floating in front of me, it's called the universe, okay? So let's say behind the universe where you're at, you're now with God, uh, intelligence, whatever you want to call it, source energy, you're there, right? And you have one question of like, what is this all about? And then you hear Dr. Spirituality says, I don't know, you tell me. And you go, what do you mean you tell me? Well, what do you want this to be about? And I go, oh, I get to say, yeah. You get to say, there's no book, there's no law that says this is what life is about. Nobody knows. The sort of biggest, most um, hailed uh, experts or scholars probably keep coming back to uh, it's finding yourself, it's uh, f fully self-expressing yourself, your spirit as who you are, it's reuniting with God, right? Whatever we come up with, there still isn't a manual or a the truth about life. But somehow this felt, this hearing this from Dr. Spirituality felt really good. You I mean, I get to say, okay, I get to say what? Well, you get to say anything. Like, what does something mean to you? Well, isn't there a meaning of life? Not really. Says who? Yeah, but don't some people say the meaning of life is to find happiness? Okay, well, that's, that's their meaning. Great. How are they doing? Do you think they'll ever get there? Is that really the meaning of life? Others say the meaning of life is to make a difference for people, right? Mother Teresa or... Gandhi to be the change you want to be in the world or find peace or meditate on the top of a mountain, right? There's many meanings of life. Here's the thing that I've come to believe myself. This is me, Roman, talking over the years of living on this planet. There isn't one thing that will fulfill every single human being on this journey. Why? Because we all have different journeys. Remember when I talked about neurodiversity? All our brains are different. We are creating different things moment to moment. Even our manifestations, if you look around the world, what car you drive, what family do you have, where you live, what kind of house you have, what kind of sports you're into, music, what kind of charity, is not one single person is exactly the same. But yet, how come we're running around the world or in life trying to find the one thing that everyone should go by? Even like when people say everyone should be good right now or, or world peace should be now or hunger stops now. Yeah, those are all great concepts, but not everybody's aligned with that. And trying to force everybody to be aligned with it isn't going to work. When has that ever worked? It doesn't work in parenting. It doesn't work in education. It doesn't work in relationships. It doesn't work in politics. 
Where does it work? Someone tell me. It does not work. You want to change uh, global warming or climate change or all that? It's not going to happen by simply telling people, you have to do this and you must do this too. It ain't going to happen. And this is not an episode uh, about how to bring about, you know, uh, climate change and, and, and how to stop wars and hunger and so forth. I just wanted to use this example that we're running around trying to find the one thing that works for everyone. So the pro disorder, pro medication side believes that the one thing that's the most effective is medication. On our side, I believe the most effective, although not short term solution, most medications are hailed as short term. This is a longer term investment is co-regulation or dysregulation or mean sorry regulation of the nervous system because the nervous system of a person with ADHD is dysregulated and here's the interesting thing when they talk about chemical imbalance the brain is many times over on a daily basis chemically imbalanced for anybody not just people with so-called ADHD when you shock someone's system Right. If you scare them at night, they're coming around the corner in the parking garage and you jump at them. You, you know, these some of people with these pranks, right, they do on YouTube. You see them jump at someone and they're going to freak out. If you could measure their chemicals in that moment, there would be a huge imbalance. So it is a myth that children with ADHD have a chemically imbalanced brain. That is a complete myth and has been disproven many times over by many really credible studies. And yet still, that term is so ingrained in our society's memory, right? That whenever I talk to people that are sort of fairly new to this, and they're like, oh, yeah, isn't it like a chemical imbalance? Isn't it like a disorder of the brain? And, you know, they come with these um, talking points, right? These headlines that they've heard. But when I start dissecting it with them, Two minutes in, they're like, well, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I never I never did any research. Or I, I've only heard this on NBC or only this one doctor told me or I read this on Google. Like it starts falling apart. And the reason is because, again, there's a narrative out there that has managed to build a business around this so-called disorder ADHD that is a machine that at this point can't be stopped. And it's almost like many of us are entrepreneurs. If you've had a company, when a company gets to a certain level where you buy an office building or you have two office buildings, or, or now you have like an office building in 10 states in the United States, right? So you're expanding. Suddenly the machine is so hungry and there's so many, like the overhead is so big and now you own buildings and now you have employees and healthcare, and now you have a different tax bracket and it just keeps going, it is really hard to suddenly say, oh, you know what? We kind of went into the wrong direction here. We need to adjust. It's a bit antiquated and it's actually disempowering to children worldwide. So actually we're going to just kind of scrap, scrape, scrap, scrap, uh, a couple of those office buildings and we're going to let go of some of these employees and we're like, next thing that happens is you have your shareholders that come in and go, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on a minute. Our job, your job CEO here is to keep bringing in higher profits because we've put in our money, we want to return. 
you know, unconsciously, that same shareholder thinks, I just bought a house in southern France with a yacht, and my son just went off to Harvard, I got to pay my bills. So don't come telling me that you're going to be Mr. Good Guy now and scrapping these office buildings and stopping production of this, this drug and, or downsizing it, right? No, 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 that's not going to happen, right? A lot of, not just pharmaceutical companies, a lot of large corporations are stuck in that ditch. And that ditch sort of tells even a good person that I know you want to do good. I know you're, you got morals. I know there's some fishy shit happening here. There's some profiteering going on, some fear mongering. I know you know this, but I'm sorry. Unfortunately, you can't get out of it because you're part of this machine. It's almost a beast that whose hunger can't be satisfied because it just keeps eating more and more and more and more. And the answer is not diet or suddenly change your way of eating. The answer is find more food, right? Same happened during COVID. Lots of factories were built. I know 10 minutes from my hometown in Switzerland, Moderna had hired a local uh, pharmaceutical research company and built giant buildings that are solely responsible to produce the COVID vaccine. Well, guess what? Those have to be kept up. If sales go down, then those buildings and the employees may have to be let go. Well, that's certainly not how these big companies like to run their books. So they come up with ways to keep the profits coming in. Whether they're gonna keep trying to sell us more COVID vaccines or whether they suddenly create a new uh, disease or something that sells new vaccines or new something, but the machinery has to keep going. Sorry for the detour, but it is very related. If you've seen, if you haven't seen Dope Sick on Hulu, I highly recommend it. Michael Keaton, great series about the Sackler family, uh, opioid um, epidemic and its cause and how these companies run their business behind the scenes. And it's not any different because they're the same pharmaceutical companies often that make the ADHD medications. Again, it's capitalism at work. It's not always Dr. Evil trying to control every child's brain in the world. That's too much work. Nobody wants to do that. But there's a capitalistic approach to, you know, when we pathologize these behaviors and then label them as disorders, right? So that's the 3D world we're in. Now, if we go up spiritually and we say to ourselves, okay, I see the world down there. I see the capitalism. I see these kids being born and they're getting labeled and people are called disordered and suddenly they're less of a human and they're more, you know, they have lack of self-esteem and they're, they're a lot of their lives, you know, they turn to drugs in their teenage or college years and then they, they, they still struggle even though they were on ADHD medications. And there's actually studies that proved that kids on ADHD medication were more likely to be um, self-medicating with drugs later in life than the ones that weren't on medication. That's a study that Nadine Lambert did at Berkeley. And uh, that study has been, let's just say it's not published. She had an accident and died before um, it was officially published. But that study exists. It was a 30-year study. And again, if you hear those kind of studies and those kind of numbers, you wonder, okay, well, 
how come we're told the opposite? So anyway, let me go back to the spiritual look at this, right? So if we look down at the earth and we see all this, this ADHD business and children and parents and families and so forth, I mean, shit, that looks frustrating. That looks exhausting, right? And, but if we look at it spiritually and we say, well, we all have our own path cut out for us. Our soul came to this planet. We chose the place we were going to be born. We chose the type of parents we have. And we're here to, to uh, experience certain lessons, growth, right? To complete something maybe from a past life. If you're of that school of thought and you're still with me looking down at earth, there's a calming sense that comes over us because now all these judgments of like good, bad, fortunate, unfortunate, um, I've always had an issue with those terms because who are we to say someone's less fortunate than us? I know we mean well when we say, well, I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm more fortunate, so I'm going to give the less fortunate person a dollar. That's nice. Sure, do that. But those terms don't apply spiritually. Because if everyone's here on planet Earth, in this reincarnation or this carnation or whatever you want to call it, in this body with this name, this age, right now, right? You, me. If we're here because spiritually we are creating something, we're working through something, we're reflecting something that's of another dimension and so forth, then all of that chatter of disorder, wrong, right, all that falls away and there's a calming sense of like, oh, well, let's just let each other kind of breathe and, and support each other and guide each other and love each other, right? And then I think as parents, to me, there's, I'm a parent, there's less of that fear of like, excuse my French, but fucking up our children's future, right? That fear of, of not giving them what they need, of not having them turn out. There's less of that fear because we're all doing the best we can. Everyone's here for a reason. And if our children are here for a reason, they picked us for a reason, then maybe, just maybe, a child that's, I'm going to use a term that's used right often, is disruptive. What if we embrace that? Maybe if we embrace that, sort of like a check engine light of a car that says, yo, there's some issues here, right? I always look at, when, people, when parents say, I have a difficult child or a um, disruptive child, I always tell them, oh, good. So there's a check engine light on in your family. They're like, what? Yeah. So all you need to do is look at what in the environment aids to the further dysregulation of your son or daughter's nervous system. They go, what? Well, how's your marriage? How are finances? How's the home? How's the school? Is it right for them or not? You know, how is their circle of friends? What's the nutrition like? What's the media, television habits? Are you close to nature or not? Like all of these things have to be looked at because it is scientifically proven. And um, Bruce Lipton spoke to this on, 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 you know, during my conversation, I had him on the podcast. He said that ADHD is not a hardware issue, meaning it's not the brain that's broken. He said it's a programming issue, meaning what comes into the brain from the environment constantly causes 
the nervous system to be dysregulated, causes then a child, a human being, to behave a certain way. We then label that as symptoms and we bunch them up and throw them into a little box labeled with a disorder, ADHD. That's what happens. So if the environment is responsible for essentially, and that is true, and Joe Dispenza speaks on that as well, Dr. Dispenza, that the brain forms based on the influence of our environment. Starting at a young age, right? When we arrive. Who is there when we arrive? And how is the household, the parents, the doctor? Everything starts to influence the way this child's brain develops. Now, there's certain stages of development of, of a child's brain, right? Those have been scientifically dissected in terms of from this year to this year, this is what happens. But ultimately, what happens is a child's brain is like a hard drive, or I should say like a computer. It gets programmed. The software that it later runs that causes the behaviors of, of a child and then an adult later in life right, in their environment, that software is programmed by the programmers that are part of the environment, teacher, parent, religious leader, even television, all these things, those are programmers of the software that eventually ends up running our brain until we rewrite the software. Dr. Dispenza talks about that a lot. We have the power to rewrite our software. Bruce Lipton also talks about how we can change our DNA, our genes. They're not predetermined. We can be predisposed to a disorder, disease, whatever it is. Predisposed is by far not predetermined. Predisposed is almost like if you don't change anything, if you do exactly the same as your parents, if you think the same way, if you're as negative as them, if you pick up some of the habits... Yeah, you may get a certain disorder or disease, but that is way different than predetermination. Predetermination leaves you powerless. Oh, I guess I got the gene. Nothing I can do. It runs in my family. That's all been disproven. I know this sounds crazy, but you can look it up. Look at epigenetics and what epigenetics is. That we can turn on or off a gene. How? Through reprogramming ourselves. How? through changing the environment around us. And that's what I always talk to, um, uh, talk about with parents that have children that were diagnosed with ADHD, whether I talk to them, you know, in the podcast interviews or when I coach them, I'm also a certified um, conscious parenting coach. And so when we talk about changing the environment, we're really talking about changing the environment. And I don't mean just environment, like there's many facets to our environment but you get the idea we change where we live how we live what school our, our child goes to or our children go to um who you know who like how's the how our marriage is um anything that can bring about anxiety in our lives needs to be re-examined so that we can reduce the amount of anxiety that comes or that gets triggered in us right because it's inside of us or it's part of us our makeup but there are influences such as noise and people and things from the environment that trigger the anxiety. So the more we can reduce those influences, as I call them the programmers, the more we can 
reduce them or, or, or transform them from negative to positive as a vibration, the more regulated our nervous system is going to be, the more regulated our children's nervous systems are going to be. And as you can hear from what you're hearing here, this is not a quick fix. This could take six, seven, ten years. But it is also scientifically proven that many children outgrow ADHD by 18, by 20 years old. It's, it's a fact. Yet what we hear is, oh, no, you have this for life. Well, some people do. But we would have to then look at like how much work have they done on actually regulating their nervous system? How much work have their parents done with them? How much work are they still doing today? Are they meditating? Are they close to nature? Are they taking stimulants, coffee, medication? Are they like all of it has to be examined? It is not fair to say, oh, we have a study that shows that so and so many kids into their adulthood still have ADHD. So I guess it's for life. No, it's not. That's a myth that has been debunked over and over and over again. So now spiritually going back up, we could say, well, but then there's nothing wrong here. Mr. Spirituality, you're saying, or Dr. Spirituality says, yeah, there's nothing wrong here. Like pharmaceutical companies are doing their thing. Children are doing their thing. Parents, are, we are, we're all on a path, right? True. The only thing that I will contest here is that we, if we get to say how it goes, then I personally, as a parent, in my case, with my son, I get to say how I live. I get to say that I live a harmonious life with less moments of dysregulation, um, more moments of regulation, co-regulation with my children, right? I get to choose that. I get to say, for me, Roman, me, that just feels better. That feels like a better life. That feels like a more tranquil, loving, happy life. So I choose that for me to be the better choice, right? That's my personal choice. You have your own. That's why I'm always amazed when the pro- medication, pro-disorder uh, spokespersons that have ADHD themselves that are still struggling, when I talk to them, they're so defensive and they're so nasty at times. And so I feel so attacked and I feel like they're not coming to it with an open mind. I always go, wow, it, that's how you choose to live. And that's okay. Like, I mean, I'm human. I judge, right? I go, why wouldn't you want a more harmonious life where you don't need to argue and yell and you get riled up and your head, you know, your face gets all red and you get righteous. I mean, does that, maybe that brings that person fulfillment. I don't know. I'm judging. But I think being in the presence of people who are more tranquil, less righteous, and who are, have an open mind and have a curiosity to explore these topics to me, just feels good. It just feels right. And I believe if you've come to this podcast and you listen to our episodes and you're still listening now after 54 or five minutes of me talking, um, you know, that you also value um, this sort of regulation, this, this more calm uh, way, way of being, right? I would imagine, again, I'm not here to tell you how you should think and how you should feel and what makes you feel better and so forth. Um, I'm simply saying, if you've been in that sort of narrative, that worldly 3D, 
narrative and you're wrapped up in frustration and you're using medication, but it's getting worse, or you're just sort of like still grinding your teeth at night, right? If you're in that, I extend an invitation, and so does Dr. Spirituality, to say, come over here, zoom out for, for a while, see the big picture, and maybe just for a while, choose the other side. Choose to see the bigger picture. Choose to see that, hey, what if I haven't been given all the information? What if it's an incomplete narrative? What if there's just a lot more that, that me and my husband or me and my wife could be doing, right? To change our environment, to co-regulate, to help our child regulate his or her system, to be in a school that doesn't stress them out, right? To have a better diet, to be closer to nature, maybe put our bare feet to the ground once a day and do some grounding. That's proven too to regulate the nervous system, right? So there's all these things that we were so busy running around in life and following our dreams and the grind. You know, I hear this all the time, like you got to work harder and like Elon Musk, you only sleep four hours in the factory and you keep the grind, right? Well, yeah, if it brings you fulfillment, go for it. But I think there's something to be said for slowing down, for not looking for the quick fixes, for really listening and start to tune into what your child actually needs. Children don't need pills. Now, I always say there's a 3% of extreme cases that may need some medication. You know, give it 5%. I'm even willing to give it 10%. But the 90%, the rest of the children, they don't need medication. They may be okay with it for a little while as a, I always call it a, a Band-Aid. You know, if you have a single parent with three jobs and it's just you can't switch schools and you just you just can't do all the things now, then maybe you need a Band-Aid for two to three years. I don't know. That's up to you. The problem is that what people do is they put on the Band-Aid and then during those two to three years, they don't do any work to forward the new agenda of really trying to change the environment for the child, right? Because they just get sucked back into work. They get sucked back into the the. Uh, the mentality of like, I can't, I don't have support, poor me, blah, 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 blah. Hey, I get it. But the reason why these medications, I believe, spiritually were created, were to be these band-aids that we can say, okay, hey, universal source, power, God, whatever you want to call it, I'm willing to, to make these changes to help my child uh, regulate the nervous system and for us to naturally be able to dissolve this over over time. I'm willing to do the work. And then if you need medication for a year or two, whatever, however long you need to get back up on your feet and to put that plan in place, right? No judgment here. I think those medications are sort of emergency kind of helpers, right? Like, but what we've done, we've made them the norm. We've turned a Band-Aid into a full-fledged, oh, this is going to fix the wound for years, for years to come. This will be great. And at the same time, we've disregarded all, all the, the um, side effects that it's causing uh, children's brains and nervous systems and bodies and emotional well-being and psychological well-being. We've disregarded all the side effects because we've been sold the narrative that, well, it's, they're just side effects. It's very, very, very few children have it. It's, it's not going to happen to your child. I mean, if you, if you do it right, you know, um, but that's, that's also been debunked. That's myth. There's millions of children that are having issues because of not just ADHD medication, but they were also then put on antidepressants. And, you know, it's like one disorder leads to the next. Oh, now you're bipolar. Now you can't sleep. And now you need this medication. And, you know, it just keeps going. 
And to me, that's not an emergency. That's not an emergency. That's, that's actually a profiteering kind of way to turn like an emerging, an emergency band-aid into like a long-term solution, but a reckless long-term solution. So again, I just want to bring it back and close up the circle. We are spirits. We are souls having an earthly experience. And I think our children deserve for us as parents to see them as such and to say, you know what, what's the more empowering view of my child? Forget superpower and neurodiversity. They're just terms. They're like social media terms to make you feel better about having a child that is, dis- you know, that is disrupting the environment, that is disrupting at school, that, that we think is not doing well, right? So forget about neurodiversity, forget about superpower. But could we possibly look at our children? Could you look at your child and say, my child is unique. My child is going to unfold how he or she unfolds. I'm the guide. I don't own them. I don't get to choose for life what they should be doing. I can suggest things. But right now at an early age, I'm a guide. And I'm going to guide them my son or daughter, and myself and my partner, right? If you have a family, I'm going to guide us closer to harmony, regulation, peace, nature, and figuring out together how we can dissolve these, what we call disruptive behaviors, these outbursts, the charade. I always like uh, Gabor Mate's um, explanation. He's been on the podcast also. Um, he says that I asked him about children acting up, right? Acting out? I think it's acting out. Oh, they're always acting out. Oh, my son is acting, my daughter, you know. And he says, well, look at it like charades. They're too young to really explain what's going on with their nervous system, so they act out. They can't, they can't say it. They're just running around. They're jumping. They're hitting someone. They're just like, bah. They're just trying to get it out. And ever since that explanation, I've looked around the world or my community when I'm out and I see children acting out or acting up. Can't tell which one it is, both. Um, And I see parents get so freaked out, so worried. Oh my God, what are people going to think? Now, it's a valid concern if your child hits other kids, right? We want to teach them a family value of of peace and nonviolence, of course. But there is an overlap because a child that acts that way is also dealing with stuff in life. Could be with the parents. Parents are going through a divorce or parents are nasty with each other or disconnected or maybe they, they keep moving around and the child doesn't like it or they've moved them to a new school. The child hates it or the child didn't want to go to the park, but we made him go to the park because it looks good that we're there with the other parent. You know, many reasons children act the way they do, the behavior right? But we're so quick to go, oh, that child must have ADHD or, oh, that child probably has ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, which um, also listen to Gabor Mate on that, on, uh, look up his YouTube clip and he'll, he'll de- debunk that myth for you quickly. But that, that is a valid disorder is what I mean. But, you know, we're so quick to, to judge and to say, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. That's it. And, and mostly we do it because we, then, then we can explain it. It's not us. It's like, oh, my child has this thing, right? So as long as I let people know, I don't have to feel bad about it. But it's all about us looking good. We don't want to look bad in public with having a disruptive child. 
But again, my question is like, why not? They're children. Uh, they're little beings that have their moments, their emotional outbursts. We do too. We're freaking adults. We should be grown up, mature by now, but we have our tantrums. I mean, gee, look around the world. Look at TV. Look at Will Smith on the Oscars. Look at all these woke, you know, canceling culture, all that stuff. Look how adults are behaving. I mean, they're worse than some kids having a, a, a tan temper tantrum or uh, that can't sit down at school. We're way worse. Yeah, we look around, we look back at the children, we go, oh, that's a disorder. With the adults, we just go, oh, well, I'm stressed or I just lost my marbles or I just, you know, I didn't have my depression meds or whatever. It's, it's more simplified. It's almost like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, no, that's bullshit. We are actually worse. We're the ones they're learning from. We are the ones dysregulating their nervous systems by allowing in from our environment into our homes, into our psyches, the things we allow in. So wouldn't it make sense to start analyzing what we can do to reduce the amount of anxiety that is allowed to exist in our homes, in our minds? You know, this goes for adults. I've just went through three, four weeks of period of darkness and dark thoughts and negative thoughts and anxiety. And, and for the last two days, I've been pretty clean of that. I've been pretty positive and I've, I've changed some things in my life and my environment. And we have the power to do that. And again, what feels better to you? And then you get to say, I want this. I want, I want to think of my son or daughter as an empowered being, as a unique being, as a being that needs my help, as a being that needs a lot of help from our family to change things around. And I'm going to do a separate episode on this soon. Um, I'm actually looking for one or two families that are willing to be a case study. And this is to do pro bono coaching for three months, once a week, with a family that has a child. At this point, I can only handle one family with one child. I can't do a family with two children that were diagnosed. So it'll be one family has one child, they can have other children, but just one child that has been diagnosed with ADHD that I see once a week via Zoom. It can be international. And that we are really going to look at what I now am starting to see with my other coaching clients that changing the environment as much as possible cause, has been causing the most results in these behaviors calming down and in certain cases dissolving. So I'll talk more on that, but I will be doing an episode where I will put it out to our listeners worldwide if they know of a family that's in a place and where they're willing to really change the majority of their environment in order to see the effects on their child, right? So more on that to come. Also, if you're a sponsor, if you're someone who knows a sponsor, we're, we're always open uh, to add sponsors and we're very flexible. So often we'll have a sponsor for a while that just gives us their product and we try it out, right? It's not about money. We're not at a stage where we only take sponsors that if you pay us money, we'll talk about your product. We have about, like I said, about 2000 listeners a week worldwide. And if you have an online product that people can buy, right, from around the world, um, that is related to ADHD or to trauma, nervous system, family, health, and so forth, and you'd like to be 
mentioned as our sponsor on the podcast, let us know. Go to ADHDsover.com. Contact us. And I'm excited to announce that uh, at the end of this week or early next week, today is um, August 23rd, so towards the end of this month, um, we're going to post the interview with Patrick Hahn, who wrote a new book called Obedience Pills. If you haven't heard of it, look it up, Obedience Pills by Patrick Hahn. I'm excited to talk to him this week and to post that interview because, again, he is so in our camp. And this is camp thriving, not camp surviving. As I often say, um, you know, when, when you're told that this is for life and that your brain is broken and that you need external sources to function, that's all about surviving. That is not thriving. And surviving to me is going from minus one to zero. Thriving is going from zero up to the sky's the limit. And you get to choose. We all get to choose. So I want to thank you for listening to this long rambling episode. I hope you found some nuggets in there for you to take away. And I always say at the end, thank you for your attention. You've given it quite generously. And your attention is your most valuable commodity when we talk about attention deficit, right? And you've given your attention generously. I really appreciate that. Whether you've listened to just a little bit or the whole thing, or you just started and you're sending it to a friend, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this. Come back again for more episodes. We got some exciting guests coming up. Uh, we took a little bit of a summer break, um, but now upon popular demand, we've started up again. People are like, come on, come on, we need more episodes. We need more, 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 which is so great to hear. So thank you for your support. Create a magical day and until next time.